Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Miles Pescini, CEO of FV Bank. Miles, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So to get things started, can you give us just a little bit of background on yourself and FV Bank? Yeah, certainly. Um, I kind of simple, simple way to categorize myself is I really see myself as a payments junkie. I've been involved in developing and innovating payment systems pretty much my whole career. Um, and uh, what got me leading towards FV Bank was my last venture, which I was the co-founder of. And we built the first really scaled business product, which was a crypto link debit card back in 2013. And uh, that product grew from you know nothing to about a million users in 70 countries. And at its peak, we were doing about $200 million a month in Bitcoin spend over debit cards. And uh, that, that business kind of came to an end for, for what I would call um, industry and regulatory reasons. And we learned a lot of lessons uh, in that project. And one of the biggest lessons we learned was that the regulated segment of the industry was not mating up to the the fintech creators side of the industry in the fintech and blockchain side and so um fv bank was created fv stands for fintech ventures bank and th really the purpose of developing fv bank was so that we could create a regulated banking environment where fintech creators would have a place to work with people um, who were really there to help them grow their business as opposed to keep them out. Yeah, no, I'd like to dive into that a little bit more. I think the experience that you have obviously was a formative one. Um, let's talk about kind of the hole that existed in the ecosystem before FE Bank and, and why the fintech community needs somebody in that role. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so from a you know from an entrepreneur's perspective or or a fintech creator's perspective they don't really have any guardrails you know if you're an innovator you really just want to think about how do i do this better faster cheaper um you know you're not really thinking about things like regulation and and uh the sort and so um what happens is that you have this ambition to do to create and be innovative um and, and that doesn't match up with laws and regulations and licenses that are required and so um, so you get this mismatch of, you know, innovation versus regulation. And the whole is that um, today there really aren't very many banks globally who have tried to create what I would call like at least a sandbox, an environment where uh, fintech companies and now more, more and more really blockchain companies to come in and work with regulated financial institutions to develop products and services but with the guardrails of regulation and compliance. And so what FV Bank's really about is first and foremost, it's proper licenses, proper compliance, but creating an environment where FinTech companies and blockchain companies can come in and work with us to develop their products and services and grow their business. Yeah, no, it's an excellent idea. And again, clearly born out of some of your own experiences there. Are there any examples that you can point to of someone, you know, companies or individuals that you've worked with or are working with as FE Bank that has really enabled them to bring a cool product to the market that would have been either difficult or impossible without your help? Yeah, the, the interesting thing is I think, um, you know, in some sense, the mundane is 
is blocked out by the current market restrictions. And so what we're doing now, or we've been doing for the last year, is really enabling fintech and blockchain companies to gain access to really traditional banking services, but in a regulated way. And so I wouldn't necessarily classify them as like bleeding edge innovation, but you're taking, you know, especially companies in the blockchain space that have been blocked out or don't have proper or equal access to banking services, and just making sure that they get access to those services and educating and helping those companies to obtain that access in a in a compliant and regulated way. And so I would say that by providing really foundational capability um, to companies, which is like deposit accounts, what, what the industry calls on-ramps and off-ramps, which is access to things like ACH and Fedwire and Swift and helping them to do that in a in a you know regulated and compliant way, that in and of itself is innovative. Uh, and, and that's where we've seen most of the growth so far. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And I think looking at kind of the the moat that's been built around this world of financial services, you know, at least from my perspective, it seems like there's this moat that sort of prevents people from bringing new ideas into the space. And to be honest, it's done a really fantastic job of keeping challengers out, even, you know, to your point, some of the more kind of mundane pieces. And I'm not going to say that, you know, this moat doesn't exist for legitimate reasons. I think we do need to keep the space regulated. It needs to operate in a safe environment. But I also think that, you know, this is this mode has been used to keep good ideas from threatening incumbents market share. It looks to me, from my perspective, that that moat is shrinking, that it's going to be more and more possible for a lot of these challengers to kind of get into the space. Does that line up with what you're seeing as well? Uh, that's a really interesting uh, perspective that you put. I don't I don't think that the moat is going to shrink, actually. I think that we're going to see an increasing amount of regulation. Um, around the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. And that's going to effectively make the moat bigger. I think the difference is, is that um, the the opportunity for growth for the regulated entities, so let's start with banks, to provide services to the companies that need access to them. I think that there's going to be a lot more willingness. And this is really where you have your, you know, you have your core oversight you have your core compliance structures are, are in the in the banks and the trust companies for example and i think that there's going to be more and more companies like fb bank who are willing and interested in providing services to those companies um i don't i don't think the moat will get smaller i think that people inside the moat particularly the banks will become more willing and specialized to work with um, companies who are innovating new products and services and enable them to operate uh in a way that that previously was not available to them. Cool. I'm going to abandon the analogy in just a moment here, but maybe it's not a case of the moat getting smaller, just more bridges being built across it. And now I really am done. That's enough. That analogy can be. That was a that great. An, that's a great analogy. <laughs> I, wish I, I, I wish I would have come up with that one. But yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Is that companies like FB Bank will create a bridge um, for companies to get access to the products and services that they need. Um, even if you, just as recently as uh, a couple days ago, the ABA put out a letter um, to the OCC and essentially encouraging uh, them to not um, retract some of the OCC interpretive letters that were put out recent, uh, in the recent years that basically said that, you know, banks should be able to provide these types of services. And the point, the point is that um, the entities who are best positioned to deal with the myriad of regulation that already exists 
bar the banks, but the banks should be encouraged to open up avenues of their business to help facilitate innovation. It's really interesting to hear that happening. And so what does that do? What's kind of the ripple effect for that You know, throughout the industry? Obviously, there's going to be um, a direct impact for the banks who get involved. But how do you see kind of the overall fintech ecosystem shifting as maybe more of these players are able to kind of get across that moat, get into uh, a place which has traditionally kind of been off limits to them? I think you'll see a maturity um, of the products and services that are out there. So in the last, let's say, 10 years, you know, it's been a little bit of the Wild West. And I think that there's been a lot of great business ideas that were developed during the last 10 years. I think that some of the better ideas will get matured. Um, they'll become more commonplace. You'll have institutional investors and you'll have a safer place for retail, retail customers to get involved. And so I think the net net is going to be a positive on the industry. Um, it'll change who the you know, who the stakeholders are. I think you'll have more institutions investing. You'll have more regulated banks getting involved and providing services. And that should open the door for the, I'll say, the more legitimate innovations to flourish. Yeah, and I think really that's what the fintech ecosystem needs is a, a, a direct path for those companies who do have genuinely you know, game-changing ideas to be able to take those ideas and bring them to end users. How do you think end users will feel about this shift? Well, first off, what do you think it's something that they'll even notice, you know, kind of your average banking customer? Is, is there anything in here that sort of impacts their life on a day-in, day-out basis? Yeah, I think that's a, a, that's a, a great question because my view is that when innovation really works, when it's really been adopted, nobody recognizes it anymore. It's like if you look at the cell phone and you know, the first cell phones, how clunky and awkward they were. And and now, like, our whole lives are centered around the use of the cell phone. We don't even realize the innovation that's encapsulated in their phone. And so I think that when the blockchain and cryptocurrency become more successful, that the end user won't even realize that they're using it. And, you know, simple examples are like, you know, the markets that could be impacted very quickly, that the consumer wouldn't necessarily notice is things like remittance. Um, today, if you're going to be like a Western Union, you're gonna send a you know a cross country um, remittance transaction, you have like dual side liquidity in order to make that transaction seem kind of like real time. So that means you have money on both sides of the transaction in order to make someone feel like the money got transferred in a few minutes. The money didn't really get transferred in a few minutes. Uh, there was just dual liquidity in the system. And so the simple thing like, I want to send money from the United States to Argentina, and that can happen in a few seconds, literally transfer the funds. Um, those types of innovations will happen behind the scenes. The consumer won't necessarily know the difference, um, but the the back office operations, the accountability of that transaction will materially change from the way it works today. I think that's a great point, you know, and ultimately consumers don't really care about how the technology works. They just care that it does work and what it allows them to do. And I think if you can kind of blend it in, that ultimate uh, customer experience is the really seamless one, the one they almost don't even notice is happening. Um, you brought up something else that I want to push on a little bit. You talked about cryptocurrency, and obviously you have some experience in that space. 
Um, this is an area that's really polarizing among the fintech community. You know, I know people who think that it's going to dramatically change the future of money as a whole. I know people who look at it as kind of a an investment scam, the greater fool investor scam. You just have to find somebody else who's willing to pay more for it than you paid for it. What's your take on why it's so important to bring this kind of cryptocurrency side of fintech into this regulated kind of more productive side where we that you've been talking about being able to kind of bring it into uh the place where um it can actually do some real good for end users yeah i think that you know i think the facts kind of speak for themselves in the sense that um everything that's happened to date in this space you've had you have true innovation and you have scams um and i think that's probably true of many industries as they're developing like if you look back at the early you know dot-com days there were so many investments that were made into ideas that never amounted into anything that helps society. Um, but then here we are today with, you know, doing a Zoom call, using our smartphones, uh, Googling everything, watching TikTok, like all those innovations that that were invested in back 25 years ago, now they've turned in just to a way of life. And I, and I think we'll see the same thing in cryptocurrency and blockchain in that um, there'll be a lot of failed experiments. Um, some of them will be uh you know just because they failed and some of them will be because of quote scams um but i also think we're going to see serious serious innovation um especially in the financial services marketplace where there'll be more efficiency there'll be more accountability more traceability um things like social benefits aid programs um those types of market segments will be significantly improved you'll be able to take fraud out of the system etc um, and so I, I, I really do think that, um, yes, there will be uh, investments lost, but I think the net net is we're going to see material change in how financial services and related products are, are, are managed and delivered to the marketplace. You know, I, I totally agree with you. I think there's this big difference between cryptocurrencies as an, as an investment class and blockchain as a technology source. And what's possible on blockchain is really, I think, we you know, just scratching the surface of, of what you can actually do with that technology. And what it takes is, you know, a little bit more legitimacy to it, right? Because I think a lot of people see, you know, Matt Damon telling people to invest in cryptocurrencies during a Super Bowl halftime commercial at basically the peak of the Bitcoin price and thinking, man, it's all just one big scam. But if you look at the underlying technology, you know, the, what, what's possible on a blockchain, I think there's so much more to do there. And I think this is why I really like uh, what FV Bank is working on, because taking that technology and making it uh, more usable and more maybe comfortable for financial institutions to use is, is going to be really huge. Uh, we're coming up on the end of our time, and I know uh, there was a little bit of news that you wanted to share with our listenership. So I'll uh, just kind of give you this open invitation. What's what's coming up next in the world of FV Bank? Yeah, so a um, couple of things. I just want to touch slightly back on that last comment that you made. Oh, sure, that- yeah. One of the areas I think that's super exciting, and it's why um, you know we've announced that we're launching our custody service inside the bank to custody digital assets, is the tokenization of of assets in general. Um, that's an area that I think you know is just so many possibilities about how we will hold real property, how we will trade real property, how we'll secure real property, uh, the title to it. Um, that's an area that that is going to be very very exciting and, and we're gearing up for that by you know launching our custodial service inside the bank um as far as you know what's coming new i think uh one of the things that we're doing which for me is really exciting is um we're integrating 
blockchain services into our depository accounts. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, at least from our competitive point of view, that we're a crypto friendly bank. And well, what does that exactly mean? You know, and so one of the things that we're doing and we're, we're announcing it in the next couple weeks here, uh, we're launching it, I would say, is that um, we're integrating with stablecoin provider Circle. Um, Circle operates the USDC stablecoin. Um, it is uh, one of the best stablecoins in the market, good transparency, very, very fast growth rate, um, used by a lot of institutions around the world. And what we're doing is we're creating a, a direct integration so that customers can deposit uh, and essentially acquire USDC directly from their bank account. So what that would look like in a real world transaction is, you know, you might have somebody send you money over ACH or sending money over a, a bank wire transaction, you would receive dollars into your account. Um, that has all of kind of the inherent legacy issues with ACH and wire transfers that come with it. Now you'll be able to send stablecoin directly into your depository account. So let's say you're doing an international trade transaction. Someone owes you $100,000 for that trade transaction. They'll be able to send you USDC. You'll receive it into your depository account and will atomically convert it to US dollars, meaning that you won't have to go to an exchange or a liquidity provider to change those funds. Um, we'll treat it just like a US dollar deposit um, and you'll be able to receive those funds. Now, the benefit of that in the example of like international trade, if you were going to send me a wire uh, for $100,000, let's say from Asia, it might take two days to show up. In the case of a USDC transaction, the customer could pay for that transaction, it would show up in less than 10 minutes. And so you have this immutable deposit that you'll be able to receive directly into your US dollar depository account. Wow, that's such a cool partnership. And I think it really underscores the value of what you can do here. You know, taking a transaction from uh, you know, two days down to 10 minutes, the, the ripple effect on something like that is absolutely massive in terms of what that means for the rest of the financial world. And so, you know, I think that's a really good one. As they say, uh, you know, watch this space. I think there's clearly going to be more to come. Uh, Miles, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and sharing a little bit about FV Bank. It's been really interesting. Thank you. Thanks for uh, having us and, and look forward to connecting again in the future. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. 